You're listening to You Don't Know Nick, the podcast, a podcast that explores the generational differences from Zoomers to Boomers as it relates to what's going on today. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Jessica Lynn Verde. And I'm Alex Mitchell. I know a lot about Middle Earth. Yeah, and I know that there were some rings or something. We're the hosts of the Podcast of the Rings. Join us as we deep dive into the lore of Middle Earth and cover the topics and people you might want to know about before the Rings of Power premieres on Amazon Prime, September 2nd. After that, we'll be doing an episode-by-episode recap and analysis once the series is live. Listen for a new episode every Tuesday. And until then, may our roads meet again. Hot drop, hot drop right into it. <laughs> Hello. I'm very Hello. excited to be here. Noir, is Noir Enigma your like entire stage name? Like that yep. is that who you are? Yep, because my government name is ugh. <laughs> it's it's bland. <laughs> I think that so when so first of all I know you because we do DM you you, you have DM'd me mm-hmm. and uh, that was an amazing table to be at and we'll get into that um, and I never do an introduction for anybody ever because why would you do that <laughs> but I've been so looking forward to having you on the show but this but on the other side of that too when when I I, I always envy people who decide to change their name when did you do it did people ever know you as your other name yes so uh (laughs) there's a there's a whole story behind that so i did hot drop hot drop into the podcast (laughs) let's go i did uh three years as a traveling well as a as a musician and a stand-up uh, and at the same time, I was working corporate. So, Jeez. I, <laughs> yeah, I worked as a procurement operations specialist and then a consultant. It was wow. a whole thing. I hated it. Uh, but I didn't want the corporate world to know about my goat, like like my af- like my double life. Yes. Right? So for music, I would. I I don't mind telling people my government name. My name is the name I was born with is Justin Miller. Ugh. No. <laughs> and my no. middle my middle name is Alexander Miller. So uh, I was as a as a musician, I was going by Lex Miller. Uh, That's as, cool, actually. Yeah, you know, I, uh, he sounds like a saxophone player. <laughs> I was doing sad boy music, so it kind of fit. It Lex lo- Miller, I don't hate it, but I'll, also, also, jam. You're, you're, you're. Yes, yes you are it, jam. Yes, yes, I am. That's the that's the one cool thing I got. <laughs> that's the one cool thing I got. Uh, I can tell you a lot. I can tell you just as a short aside. Uh, it's always funny because. Um, uh, I, I've been, I was made fun of growing up a lot because I talk white. So I, I have this voice. I know. And my name is Justin Miller. So Which is I, a very white name. And I, yes. I stopped myself from saying it. <laughs> yeah, it, it. It is what it is. And so like I would put in my resume and I could tell. <laughs> I know. I could tell when folks were like oh this is not at all what i thought i was getting i wouldn't have called this person in (laughs) exactly exactly i mean because 
<laughs> you know, like for for a while there, I was I was desperately searching for jobs, and there's there's that whole are you are you white? Are you you know Hispanic, or are you other? Or do you choose not to respond? If you choose not to respond, they're not calling you. They're not calling you. It's so true. It's so true. If you if you if you pick black, they're probably not gonna call you. So I lied a couple of times, and it what's funny is oh, I when I could. This. What's funny is when I could tell because they would like the name, the voice, and then I come in and like some some people would just be like you know there's this one guy I re- I recall. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> It was just like so we 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 really uh we really harbor honesty at this company. And I was just like, yes, I can imagine that. That's that's one of the that's one of my favorite virtues. Honesty, uh diligence, you know, justice, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so what 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 brings up this line of questioning? He just goes, No, I just thought you should know. And I'm like, you and I both know what's going on here. We have to play the game. It's not even thinly veiled. Oh no, absolutely not. Because I, because I know there was, you know, I'm not the first person to mention it, but like there was a study that if you have a name that someone cannot pronounce on a resume, you're not going to get called in. Mm-hmm. And so there is, there are these like stop gaps, and that person was just not ready to deal with their bias at all. Oh, it's it, it's it's great because there's there's a certain cough and a certain sigh. That when I hear it, I know I'm not getting the job. So at that point, we're just having fun. Wow. <laughs> I mean, also, granted, you don't want to work for. Oh, yeah. You know, abs- you know what I mean? I mean, well, I mean, it depends on how much they were paying, honestly. Well, that's, that's fair. At, at the time, I was hungry. But <laughs> I, 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 I deviated from the point. But I just, you know, I, I, I had, I was going by Lex. Uh, for stand up and, and music, uh, and then I was going by my, you know, Justin and corporate, uh, and then I started doing uh, tabletop stuff, and I was just like, well, I don't want the tabletop people to see me singing these sad songs. Stop! <laughs> I'm gonna go by Noir. Noir, stop! <laughs> that actually breaks my heart, and I don't know if you know this. I did sad girl music for. <laughs> three or four years so hey i i didn't want anyone to see me ever right? do that it is painful i mean i mean because uh, like with with certain things it sucks to be complimented about like like god isn't that so true right like because when people compliment your your music and you're singing when you do that kind of stuff, like I, my mindset for TTRPG is completely different than it is for stand up and music. With music, it's just like I'm writing a journal, but this is my diary. I put it out there, right? Whatever. And, and you know, when I'm doing TTRPG, this is the more fun side of me. So when they find out about the music stuff and they're complimenting me on it, it's just like, thank you, but I hate this moment right now. <laughs> it's, it's actually painful. Yes, I tanked. My burgeoning singer-songwriter career at one point because I was overwhelmed by people actually showing up because it was too it's so so this is how I would explain it, especially being from the theater background, which I think this 
also gives credence to your point about TTRPG world being a little bit more like if someone goes, hey, that was fucking amazing how you DM'd that, which still to this, I mean, I've had the pleasure of being at awesome tables. I would tell anybody to sit at your table if they really want a true <laughs> experience. So I know, take that compliment. Don't feel awkward about it. But, <laughs> but you're writing your vulnerability down, especially if you found your voice as a musician and yeah. as a stand up. You are pouring it out. You're poetry online, you know, in front of people. And there's nothing to verify that it's actually good, except for maybe how you feel about it. And then maybe if it makes it to the top 100 billboard. Yeah. And music even is then. It's real subjective. And like, I mean, the way music is even consumed, it's like, it's like I listen to it and then I'm done with it. Fair. I, I also, when I started becoming a little jaded, or I guess maybe probably less naive about um, pop culture, mm-hmm. sometimes a song just becomes popular because it is being pushed at you a hundred yeah. times a day. So it might not be the best song you've ever heard, but you've heard it 500 times, so you like it now. Are we about to trade secret songwriter heartbreak stories? Because I could tell you when I <sighs> gave up on the music thing i mean i will not (laughs) there are no obstacles in the way of you telling the story let's go okay so i for when i was doing the lex miller lex miller playing uh, all around town um i got to i got to um open up for a touring musician who was also a singer songwriter and um it was one of those things where the rumor was going around town like, hey, this guy's coming in. If you, you know, if you bring enough asses to seats, <laughs> yep. you know, and you do a good enough job, he's got his people with him and they're looking to fill out their Midwestern tour. This should be a good story. And then I just reminded, was reminded that this is a heartbreak story <laughs> and I'm very excited. <laughs> so... If, 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 I just want to, I just want to preface pre- uh, preface this with the the artist himself, really cool dude, totally. really just a really just a really nice guy. Uh, he got big, he got big because one of his songs got picked up uh, on the soundtrack of a Nicholas Sparks movie. Perfect. That's that's the ticket. Right, so he was writing that like his entire tour was based on that, <laughs> and so he came to Chicago and he needed, you know, he needed people to fill up the venue because you know he's getting some play, but like not he's not filling out the place without help. Right. So I am busted ass. Like I'm playing all of all of my usual bars two weeks in advance, letting them know, hey, I've got this show, come through. I'm selling tickets. I'm I'm even cross promoting during some of my stand up. I'm like, hey, sometimes I sing. If you want to come see, if you like, I made you laugh. If you want to cry, come, you know, come check that out. So, You're, like, yeah, I, that's that's a lot. That's commitment right there. It, listen, I the room was this guy had already picked up somebody from his tour, so I was just like, I want to go on tour. Like yeah, this, this totally. is this is the ticket. So. The night of the performance happens. I sold at least 70-something tickets. I'm, oh, my God. The venue is filled. And, like, I go just before he does. And it's it's easily the best set I had ever done. Like, I'm, 
like everything was on fire. I was the peak musician me. And I'm like, okay. And like, I give him the lead in. He goes and he rips it. Listen, I don't have a lot of confidence, but I can tell you that night I was better than him. <laughs> That's that says something. I, I I wish you more confidence in this life because you deserve it. But singing songwriting is a very vulnerable thing, and so if you feel that way, you deserve to feel that way. I, I had people dancing, people people that I didn't bring started to pick up the choruses. That's it was one of those nights where it's just like this is magic this is yeah this is as good as like i this is as good as i should have it at this moment so after after that's all said and done i go to pick up uh i go to pick up pay at the end sure uh and he's there and his representation is there so i'm like all right close mouths don't get fed i i put on the hell of a show let's 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 fucking do this so I get my money. I go to his representative, and it's for it's for a substantial studio. And I'm like, "Hey, I heard you guys were looking for people on the tour. Like, if you like what you see here, I could do that anywhere in the city. Just like, you know, whatever you need. If I if you only pick me up for the Chicago stops, I know you got two more. I like, I'm hungry. I want this. Let's do it." And he goes, "Man." Great performance tonight. I gotta tell you though, you don't have to look. Um, the type of music that you play, people like you don't don't, don't sell do it. that. Um, you wow. know, the, there's a t there's a certain kind of aesthetic that we're looking for here, and I was just like, <sighs> all right, I'm I'm loaded up on a band tab. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, you know, and you just kicked me off my high. So I'm just like, let's, let's, let's be real. Like, don't, what, what about my look do I need to change? Like, you tell me, I'll, like, I'll put it in. He was just like, you need a new wardrobe. You need to be taller. You need to be less fat. You need to be a white guy. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> I can't change those things. <laughs> you know what? Credit to that guy, I guess, for being honest. Yeah. I mean, not, I mean, about at least, I mean, I don't like it at all. I don't like it either. Because <laughs> he's also wrong. I mean, we are in the age of music now where people should be able to do what they want. And, you know, how, when was this? This was, oh man. Okay. So this was just after my House of Blues show. So I think we're talking. 2017? Oh, come 18? on. He said that that recently. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's fucking heartbreaking. It's yeah, heartbreaking. I, mean, I, I wish I could tell you that I was like, after that, I was like, I, I took a shot of whiskey and then I got back in the lab and I did more writing. But like, no, I cried and I watched all of Dawson's Creek again. <laughs> <laughs> Pacey would never treat me like this. <laughs> um, but like that's when that's when I made the decision. Like I will always love music, but I think that's one of those things that that people have to people in my life have to earn to get access to. Like that's that's a that's a for me thing now. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm sorry. And I'm not going to be able to, to change your opinion on that be- <laughs> because, I mean, you think I think about the Beatles, right, in general, yeah. that they were rejected five times. And those people are kicking themselves in their graves, you know. Um, there's some people that have foresight and, you know, ahead, like can actually see what they've got in front of them. And there's some people who just don't want to put in the work. And, like, that guy is not the end-all be-all. Yeah. But is not saying this is your dream here's how i can help you figure that out and instead crushed that and that's so it's like when a parent tells a kid not to sing and you could have just stopped celine dion from being a singer (laughs) yeah and and that's why like i whenever somebody's just like i'm nobody i'm like you know there there are people that are like "I i would love to be at a table with you but i'm nobody i'm like no, don't ever like don't ever say that you're nobody. <laughs> like everybody's somebody. And like anybody that thinks that they're so much somebody that somebody else is nobody, fuck Whoa. that person immediately. <laughs> I'm gonna write that down. That's a quote. <laughs> and uh, I think I think that that is what makes the TTRPG world so wonderful is that when you're at the right table especially because you can definitely find the wrong table but you're in a group full of people going hey yeah you can do that well roll for it first and then then see what happens but like shit why not when improv taught me um how important it is to not say no that doesn't mean you can't that you always have to agree to something Right. You'll be on stage and someone makes an offer or whatever, and your character can say no to that or your character can call them a sexist or your character can can call out what's happening. But if you're in like so I've taught I've taught corporate workshops and stuff. If you're in a setting, especially as a leader to go, interesting idea, Janet, Um, let's expound on that further as opposed yeah. to just go shut down. You're going to get somewhere like. I, one of my one of my favorite improv teachers told me that yes will always stretch the creative muscle mm. like no is no is putting down the weights like no is like i'm not going to try and lift this yes it's always going to be harder because you know as a gm it's easy it's easy to tell your player no don't don't do that I didn't plan for that. Right, right. I'm sorry. That room isn't flushed out yet. Don't right. walk in that direction. But it's it's a lot harder to go, okay, yes. Now let's figure it out. And, right. And yes is scary. Yes, like, but I, I, I think one of the reasons that I always recommend people try a little bit of improv, especially if you're going to do TTRPG, is because improv got me addicted to the fear of saying yes which is like if somebody in in improv somebody can go hey you're a duck with a list (laughs) and if you go to that stage and you go no i'm not you kill the scene you put the weights down and it's a weightlifting competition so let's figure out how to beat this duck with a lisp And win over the audience. Because you'll get that first initial laugh when you're like, nah, I'm not. And everyone goes, oh, funny. They're being obtuse. Exactly. (laughs) Totally. And now you have nowhere to go. Yeah. 
I didn't know that I needed this from improv, but I'm like a follower of the light. I was like, oh, this person's interesting. And they taught class and I was coming into it late as at least I thought I was 30. It was like, Ooh, I feel like you sh- I should have done this when I was 22 when I didn't care about anything. Um, thankfully, the school that I went to, they didn't really have um, a lot of youngins. It was also it was it's it was really good when it came to. um uh, gender equality and age yeah. equality that was it wasn't good in other areas but it but it op- <laughs> <laughs> which we all learned in the hard way but but also they're they're, they're a group that really wanted to learn how they yeah. could improve which set up which is good in in the long run um so i was playing with people that were 60 and 15 or whatever um i didn't know I mean, I knew how perfect I thought a performance had to be, but I didn't know how good it could be when it wasn't perfect. And I needed to continually put myself in the fear of no net, no net, no net yes. in order to get to there. I mean, <laughs> I, I, it, it's, it's really funny because some of my favorite moments in improv are like, they're not funny. They're honest. And you're, you're explaining the exact tenet of what we were taught. The honest, the truth of the moment. Absolutely. Like, I don't know why I'm stuck on this, but going back to the duck with a list. This is our scene, man. We gotta... <laughs> Right. It's just like, if even if you can't be the duck with a list, struggling to find that, and even acknowledging that you're failing is funnier and more creative than not doing it (laughs) you know 100 percent. and like i but it's a learned lesson you have to yeah you have to fail the other way to realize that failing gloriously is worth it yes and in improv is a team sport so even if you you're bombing there are people out there that you've got your you've got your scene partner who nobody wants to be in a bad scene and so it's that it's that simple fact that you have to rely on it's it's a crutch because it's the foundation of everything that you're doing i gotta tell you start like starting stand-up man like it's 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 hard i'm so glad you circle back to that because that was my exact next point i don't i don't know how you could be highlighting something that's actually so much at the forefront of my mind right now the two things that scare me the most are singing songwriting by myself because when you're in a band by the way it's a little bit different but if you're up there with a guitar and i'm sad and this guy broke my heart or whatever it's different it's just more vulnerable and i have never the one thing i have not done on stage besides have sex which will never happen (laughs) Unless it's simulated and for a play on Broadway. Um, I don't know. People have sex on stage often, right? I don't know. I, so, you know, I haven't been invited to any of those parties. And frankly, I'm upset about it. I haven't been nude on stage. <laughs> I, let's just put it that way. That is a thing that happened. I haven't been nude on stage. I have not done stand-up. But I feel like once you've done stand-up, you might as well have been nude on stage. Uh, you know what? Honestly, I would, I would prefer to have... Well... 
I would have preferred to at the start to have been nude on stage than to bomb. But after <laughs> your but face after, right now, I wish I could see you. You're grasping tears. It's because I'm in the I'm in, in it. You're in it. The memory uh-huh. of my first bomb. Mm-hmm. I can feel and, it. And like you, you know that scene in the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire where his spider sense kicks off for the first time in every detail he's taking into account. That's what it feels like with your first bomb. I remember a lady who was so unentertained by me. She stopped eating a nacho mid nacho bite. No. <laughs> and but the thing is, every art form has its has its pushback. Has like in order to really be this thing, you've got to go through the pain. You're not yeah, going to yeah. be a guitarist and not get calluses. You're not going to be a piano player and not have finger pains. And you're not going to be a comedian if you don't bomb. And you're going to bomb a, a few times until you find the funny. And it, it, it gives you a different kind of perspective on... On some of the shit that you see on Twitter where it's just like a comedian says this where it's like, okay, they're probably workshopping something, but there's still never a reason to punch down. But it's just like <sighs> it, it, it's really it really does suck to not only bomb, but have somebody record your shit. <laughs> I just, please don't record comedians. <laughs> that's just my that's my one ask. People do but, that? Like when you're well, at, at If you're sh- if, if you're a Chris Rock or if you're like, uh, oh, like I see. A, a comedian, comedian, like the thing is, you can practice piano at home, you can practice guitar playing at home, you can't practice jokes by yourself. Telling telling them to an audience with that right. one, yes. So th- there's like a a five minute joke will probably start off as a fifteen or twenty minute joke until you find oh, this is the route that I need to go to to get the maximum laugh in the least amount of time. <laughs> right, right. I think the ratio is, or not the ratio, but like the, the equation is have them laughing every 20 to 30 seconds at yeah. the very most. Or like with, in terms of time, like if you can get them to giggle every 15 seconds, you're doing okay. Yeah, you know, and... and... Uh, but there's, uh, so it, but that's not the golden rule because there you've got some comedians that just keep you for the long haul and then get that one big totally one. fair totally fair <laughs> but uh, again i got I, I got distracted from my main point but which was bombing helps you help help me in improv because i wasn't alone mm-hmm. like no matter how hard i bomb in an improv scene there is there's somebody to clean it up and 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 that's that that makes you kind of bulletproof. <laughs> and I I want more GMs to have that mentality. Don't say no this room isn't finished because you have a whole table of people that want the best story possible. Your players are telling you all the time what they want, right? What, what comes next in real man, time? Man, it'd be cool if my player did this. Man, it'd be cool if my character did this. So, in that room that you don't have anything planned for, if you know there's a player that desperately wants to like have air combat, 
have a room that's like the Willy Wonka thing that, you know, there's a gust of air, everybody's floating up. Fight. Like <laughs> No one's going to walk away going, oh, he only did that because I wanted it. Because they're going. Everybody loves candy. Give are you candy. fucking kidding? I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves candy. It's so true. Like so, yeah. I just those are the lessons that improv and stand up taught me, which is like you can't you can't bomb at a table if you're paying attention. You that's absolutely. Yeah. That's a very good. That's a very good piece of advice. <laughs> I, I no, I love that because who is you know unfortunately the person that is just like there not listening to other people when they're having their scene or whatever they pull focus and yeah. they are the only I will say this too I I was so dreadfully insecure for a very long time when I was learning improv um, which is probably also why I needed to learn it just so that I could actually have self confidence right. right. Um, and I would go up to my friends, I'd go up to Aliza or someone in my improv group, Ripley Improv, and I go, it's my fault that show didn't do well. I'm the one that wasn't good enough. I'm the weak link. <laughs> oh, God, I've had that conversation. That's all I would do was like yeah. pick up. I, and that never dawned on me. I never went, oh, well, yeah, but Sarah did that and that was bad. I never thought anyone else did anything bad. I always thought it was me. And then a great improviser, I think it was Stephen Kieran, um, said, what kind of ego do you have to have to think you're that important that you destroyed us? I got that exact same. The, the exact same thing was told to me like, oh, so you're that big of a deal, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Bet you're that. Okay. Got it. You're right. You always ruin the scenes. It, it is such a great equalizer to yeah. when you think about it in that way. And yeah. I don't know that I've been at a bad table. It, Especially because of that mentality. And the way we learned it was like your partner's job to, is to make you look good and your job is to make your partner look good. And if that's the case, everyone's going to look good. I I, I think it's it, there's really one way that tables go bad, in my opinion, which is when one person's fun is more important than everybody else's. Like that's that no matter how it goes wrong, because it manifested a hundred million different ways. That's the core. If my fun is more important to me than literally everybody else at the table, or even if my fun is more important than one person's at the table, I'm going to be a problem. <laughs> how do you account for that? Because that you're mm -hmm. totally right that it shows up in 101 different ways. And by the way, if you haven't realized this, what I'm going to tell you by the end of this podcast is that you should have a course for teaching people how to DM. Um, <laughs> how? Because I, I like I can imagine a scenario where um, Jerry doesn't like Janet, so he's trying to quash, squash her storyline, or right. he thinks she stole part of his character, or. Uh, the whole table doesn't like Larry or, you know, these personal interpersonal dynamics can uh, sully or, you know, sour the water. How do, right. how do you, because the responsibility, unfortunately, does lie. Follow the GM. It does. And, mm -hmm. you know, especially when playing with you and leading up and, and knowing Kira and how they ran their channel already, you know, we had a consent list. Um, I never filled out the one, two, three, but I feel like you got a good, I, I should have, but I feel like mm -hmm. I sh 
you got a good vibe for what my character was and I was yeah. up for whatever. And I also, I'm like one of those uh, TTRPGers where I know very little about my character until we start going, <laughs> which works I, for me. I mean, and that works for me too. Some people need to pre-plan. Some people find, find it in the sauce, like find it while they're cooking. And right. I'm like, that, I mean, I, I am an improv- that. I'm an improviser by nature. I learn in the sauce. I don't write anything down like i don't have gm notes it's all just what happened happened um and that's probably why i enjoyed playing with you but you're also you're also giving the people that need to pre-plan all the tools that they can so you're already uh normalizing or equalizing the table for everyone to feel safe and happy but now you have this other element that you can't control what how do you handle that what do you deal with that i mean first things first this is the most the most difficult part of being a GM is that you are going to have to be front line for all conflict. If players are beefing, you gotta step in. It sucks. But that's your responsibility. That's your responsibility. You actually sign Uh, up for that job. Yeah. Wow, that's so so true. The first thing that I do is I talk to the player. It's just like, hey, you you know, I, I use the camera analogy a lot, you know, we're putting the camera on this person right now. So, like, everybody let them have their moment. I know okay, you're doing camera. this in real time, or are you doing it uh, after? The, well, it depends on what it's the moment. So, yeah, while, while I'm GMing, I usually, okay, the camera's on this person now. Like, I use that kind of terminology. I love so, that. when I'm having this conversation with somebody, I go, okay, so, you know, the camera will be on another player. You're stepping in, and, you know, it's it's kind of becoming an issue. You know, you're taking away other people's fun. So, to me, what that tells me is that what I'm giving you is not enough to keep you satisfied. Mm. So what is it that you really want your character to do? Or what is the problem that you have with any particular player? From from what I get with that information, I generally try to change the narrative in a way where I can give the player what they want. That's that's hoping, the first hoping that they're giving you honest feedback. Right. Too. That's the first try. If it happens again, okay. I gave you what you wanted. We're still having an issue. I'm telling you now, this can't continue. Now, I I I don't want to just come with doom and gloom. So here's I how you mad- can fix it. Here's what we can do. Here's how we can fix it. Here's what you can do. And here's the reward once I see a change in the behavior. Like, I I know that you want, a, you want a magic weapon. So I'm going to give your character a personal quest that manifests itself through the behavior that I want That's to see at the interesting. table. So, like, I, I, I like to challenge people with, I need you, your character to foster... A, I'll need your character to help foster a significant moment for another player. I need you to be a. I need you to be a good side character. I need you to help this person rise. Instead of you being the star, I want you to show somebody else how to be the star. And generally, it'll be like the more quiet player. And of course, this is all done 
with communicating with the the problem player and the quiet player. Like, hey, I notice that you're usually in the cut and you're pretty quiet. I'd like to give you a moment to shine. Are you okay with that? How can I help you do that, mm-hmm. etc. And and generally, those people are excited for it. It's just like you know, heck yeah, I would love to do that. And, and then you make it, you make it badass. Like people need to realize that pe- that. Things can happen in the story that aren't in any of the books written by Wizards of the Coast. If you want <laughs> a character to invent something world-changing, do it. <laughs> Why not? I don't think I would ever DM anything that is canon with D&D. I just don't think I could I, do it. I, I, I feel very limited by what's available from Wizards of the Coast because there that's are not some... their point that's you know yeah. the point is to help someone let's say that has a good idea uh, that, that that wants to do this but doesn't know how to start storytelling right like i actually yeah. think uh i have people i i usually give the advice to people uh to do fiasco first before as they jump into yeah. ttrpg because they have to have a scene they have to describe a want they don't have to come up with the scenario and it's like turn you know it really makes you understand how to do it in a safer environment or like a contrived environment. Yeah. I I love I love asking my players what what is an impressive feat that you would like your character to accomplish that doesn't have anything to do with killing monsters, casting spells or anything of that nature. Like <laughs> That's a beautiful that's a beautiful question. Uh, there's so many there are so many other things that that characters can be renowned for i mean just consider like if you roll performance check one performance has changed the lives of people in real life like i love rewarding natural 20s on a performance check like that that entire village that (laughs) entire kingdom might remember whoever did that (laughs) they have a statue next time you arrive like I, the, the example I like to use is Prince. Uh, Prince performed uh, during uh, the uh, a tribute. It was while my guitar gently weeps, and there are all these legendary guitars. But Prince clearly rolled the twenty, and like <laughs> people still remember that performance. Like that's wow. that's like, it, and you can do that with everything. You can do that with a medicine check. You can do that with a. You can do that with a performance. You check, rolled anything. a twenty that night that that ass hat producer was like, nah. But then yeah. he rolled a twenty for being an ass hat. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> he rolled a twenty for I, I being ro- a total dick. I rolled for. I rolled with disadvantage because he was bigoted. That's uh- right. That's right. <laughs> That's the real shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it happens, but <laughs> right. Uh but I'm like, but I, I I just I love making people I'm, people come to the table excited. Your job as a GM is to foster fan that fire. Nobody should come to the table excited and leave less excited. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. But but to be fair, so I mean you are naturally charismatic. Oh. You are naturally gifted. Clearly. I mean, you creativity is bursting out of you. I, I didn't even know how similar we, we were until th- this podcast, which I knew I was going to have so much fun talking to you. But I, I'm going to guess that you could probably also draw. And you could probably I also... I wish. That's the one. Really? That's the one I have... 
uh, I'm just now teaching myself graphic design. My partner's a graphic designer, so I'm just kind of watching them like a hunk, like, teach me your ways. Well, but... and you probably will learn it just because you're <laughs> capable. Like, I know I can at least learn something. I'm going to put yeah. my hands on it, and I'm going to learn it. And, I, you know, I can paint. I'm very, I didn't know I could paint until I was 25. Um, I... Not everyone's got that, but you got some people that are like shyer. And but I, I want to DM, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, not say you shouldn't do this, you know. But how <laughs> do you tell someone who doesn't have those natural, God-given gifts? How how do they diffuse those moments? How do they learn the hard way? Like that's tough. It it, it is tough, and <laughs> there's there's. There's talent and then there's hunger. So mm. a, a lot of, a lot of, there are a lot of people that are talented that just don't do anything with it. Like there are people that, there are, I mean, I'm sure you've seen like some improvisers that could like just kill it if they just pushed. Yes. But a lot of people find, a lot of people get killed by comfort and killed by comfort and fear. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have it, I, I truly personally don't believe that there is a such thing as it. I don't think that, I think that, um, so in Magic the Gathering, and I promise, I swear to God, there's a point. In Magic the it's Gathering. It's okay. I actually, unfortunately, have to learn this game. And I've talked <laughs> about it several times on this podcast because my Chicago boy does magic. And also, they're doing the Warhammer stuff, and my other best friend does the Warhammer. So, I yeah. you're not in you're you're in a world where this is accepted. There's deviate all you want. Okay, this is even nerdier because it's the lore. <laughs> in Magic: The Gathering, there are wizards and sorcerers and mages, but then there are planeswalkers. Wizards and sorcerers and mag mages can generally do magic within their own realm, but planeswalkers do it to an insane degree oh. and can walk across worlds. Okay. But they can't do it until their spark, until they discover their spark, until like that something inside goes boom. I think everybody has a spark. It's just you need to make it go off. And I think it's the responsibility of people that have kind of figured it out to help foster that like you it's i never believe that somebody doesn't have it they just have it figured out their way to do the thing yet whatever it is that they want to do they have it figured out their way to do it like and the reason that i don't believe in uh it is if in a world where it exists exists bob D dylan never happens Nobody wow. would look at Bob Dylan and go, oh, that's somebody that can sing. That's a musician. No, you listen to Bob Dylan the first time. You're like, what, what the happens? fuck? <laughs> Why? Who is this guy? You listen to Bob Dylan a hundred times and you're like, this is fucking amazing. Right. Wherever you are, if somebody says, hey, you can't do the thing, you're you know what? You're in the wrong place. That 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 means that means 
that they're looking for a Michael Jackson. They're looking for a Usher. They're looking for somebody who is pretty. Their, their, their voice is pretty by the standards of which anybody can tell that it's pretty, which is fine. Right. And those people will be successful and they'll make the paycheck. Yeah. And that's great. Good for you. Good for you. Right. But Bob Dylan. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's somebody that you you have to earn you have to earn what he's giving you and it's good and it's worth it there's a reason why his songs will live forever you have to get past the voice that's just like this is not what everybody tells me is good right right but I, even is. he doesn't even have the looks at all no, no he's a he's a weird looking little <laughs> Fucked up voice, dude, but he's fucking brilliant. With also 700 children, by the way. Uh, well, that I did not know. He's got a lot of babies <laughs> out like, there. The first time somebody does something great, it takes smarter people to realize that it's great. <laughs> well, Simon Sinek talks about that, where you have the one outlier with the brilliant idea, and the person that's the brave person is the second person that goes, that's a great idea. Right, because it's not it's not easy to go counterculture. It's not easy to ride against the wave. And honestly, probably Bob Dylan's that's the person is Joan Baez, and then he leaves her in the, in the dust. <laughs> yeah, not a good. Listen, men are the losing side. We've been losing for a while. It's I'm not. not I'm not on that tip right now, but I can agree. <laughs> but <laughs> but also, she didn't want to get along with the times either. Like it's yeah. you look at like someone like Garfunkel. He still is bitter about what happened with him and Simon. And you know what? That's why Simon left. Because you're yeah. s you're stuck. He won't let it go. He, if you can't move on, if Joan Baez is still going, well, fucking Dylan left me. Well, yeah, bitch, she left you a long time ago, you know. But I think you, so I'm so, I very few people agree with you about the it factor. And I'm so heartened to learn that you care about, that that, that you believe that. They're, one of the things yeah. that we learned in improv um, was... Patsy Rodenberg, is that her name? Pets, no, I guess I want to say Patsy Klein, and that's not correct. She's an um, actress, and she talks, teaches all sorts of people. And her book, Second Circle, was huge in teaching us um, how to improv from a place of calm. Um, when you're in third circle, you're the guy who thinks his fun is the most important and you're going to steamroll through everybody. When you're first circle, you're the person who's looking forward to getting steamrolled, right? And is not. But if you're second circle, which is something you're just naturally gifted at, I'm listening, you're giving, you're not taking, we're in it. That's a, it's, a, it's, a, I, it's a flow. I love this because like we've been taught the same Kung Fu, but I know, I know, which I so, wish everyone the same exact journey. I really do. Like the way we were taught was like, it's archery, which is if you go for funny, funny is the outer rung. If you aim for the outer rung, if you miss, you get nothing. Whoa. <laughs> but if you shoot for honesty, honesty is the bullseye. If you shoot for that, then you're going to hit funny. You're going to land. Is, <gasps> funny is the minimum. But if you're aiming for funny, if you miss, you get nothing. <laughs> Someone told me this 
great story and maybe it's true maybe it's not true but it was um an opening night of of a stage play that wasn't necessarily supposed to be funny and it was this actor's first opportunity to be on stage and he had a very innocuous line after um, an argument between him and his father or, or something and he lo- he turns to another character and says can you pass the butter and the audience fucking dies huge laugh like clapping laughing like and this guy's whole you know that feeling we know that yeah. feeling where oh, it's like yeah i am god's gift to earth and i don't even believe in god but tonight i do so that guy walks out on cloud nine the next night he does the line again and gets another pretty great laugh like the audience really really loves it another night gets a laugh the night the next night gets a laugh and then as the time goes on he starts getting like, <laughs> you know, like polite laugh, like, you know, oh, oh, like a knowing, oh, that's funny or whatever. And then, you know, a couple of weeks into the performance, he doesn't get a laugh at all. So he comes up to the senior uh, actor in the play and said, what happened? I, that line was so funny that 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 line killed. Why is it working anymore? <laughs> and the senior actor says, you stopped asking for the butter and you started asking for the laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that all the time. So (laughs) Patsy says that you either got it beaten out of you or scared out of you or it wasn't encouraged. So like because it's survival mode, survival mode sometimes asks for third circle. Like I am the loudest. I'm going to fight this bear. I'm going to live. And sometimes first circle is asked where you're like, I'm not going to make a fucking. My friend got her bike stolen in Chicago while she was at her apartment and she heard someone walk in. She saw a foot walk past with the bike and she she froze, which, you know, we didn't realize that for a long time. Fight, flight or freeze is the thir- is the third survival mechanism. So that's first circle. As a child, you can get that shit beaten out of you if someone isn't fostering you or if like you don't want your yeah. dad to notice that you're there because he's going to beat you or something like that. You Or some kids like me, I, I had trauma, but I walked out of it going, look at me, everybody, I'm the best. <laughs> <laughs> and so she really believes that you can get it. You can get that back. You just have to yeah. find the right person. And, and I love that you're saying it's the responsibility of the person that knows it yes like we have to i mean a lot of a lot of what i've learned in improv has come because of someone else (laughs) you know and i i never killed it so hard where i was like epiphany like (laughs) (laughs) like, those are great moments by the way i'm sure you have you're just downplaying it (laughs) Well, I mean, I I had those I have conversations with myself where it's just like we are in this moment and we can either panic or we can just let it ride. <laughs> like, sure. like and and it, I guess those are self epiphanies, but it's just like when you talk about when you're asking for the laugh, I like it brought to mind a story that like this was a nightmare at the time but when i look at it it was just Whoa. like okay and it was uh, we were doing i was in a doing scene work uh and 
my buddy pulls me up and he's just like, and this is the number one slam poet. And so it's just like, okay, fuck it. Here we go. <laughs> Amazing. I, I go to a fugue state, do some wacky poetry about bubblegum, and it kills. And I'm like, okay, we do the rest of the scene. It resolves. All right, I go back to the side. Now, <laughs> the guy who pulled me up, this this is where, this is why I use the camera analogy, because it's very important to know what's the focus, why it's the focus, mm. and what's going on. Being aware of the surroundings is what's is what keeps the table going. It's sure. Everybody knows the rhythm. The GM is the composer, but everybody still got to keep with the rhythm. So he saw the laugh that that I got with the slam poet as the laugh that he manufactured. So it's just like he want he wanted that he wanted that hit again. Mm -hmm. He wanted that serotonin. Mm -hmm. So it's just like pull it off again. Another poem. The second time, I'm like, okay, I I I let it rip. Still get a laugh. Resolve the scene normally. I go back. He's up there again. He's not getting a laugh, so it's time to pull the ripcord poetry, wow. and it's just like, okay, dude, <laughs> I need you to understand that I've been done with this joke after I told it the first time. The laugh that you're getting, the laugh that we get when I do this thing, it's good and all, but like, it's it's coming out of detriment because the third time, less laughs. We can't go to that well again. And the timings, like, you, I, I, I know I don't have to explain it to you, but for everybody that's listening, like the one of the key things in improv is timing, and what's what really hits is when you have a bit from the beginning, maybe allude to it a little bit later on, and then let it die, let it die, for, let them forget. Yes, create a world that's so massive and elaborate that we forget that that even happened, then boom, bring it back. That's like, that's a sense of timing. And this guy was like, no, I'm panicking. Make them laugh for me. <laughs> it's just like, dude, stop. He's dragging you under the water with him. Yes. But he's dragging me under the water because he thinks that I'm a, 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 a lifesaver. Right. And he's not recognizing that right. I'm another passenger. <laughs> I've now become a tool. And I, I find that in, in the creative circle, we tend to do that with each other sometimes. Interesting. Where it's just like, I'm not going to see your humanity because I am now only seeing what you have or what you are able to do for me. And that wow. kills, that's again comes back to my fun is the most important fun. It's just another way that it manifests itself because it's manifesting in me no longer seeing you as a person. If he thought for a second, oh man, I'm making him come up with stuff on the spot. And it's like, I'm I'm watching everything that's happening, kind of 
you know, okay, if they pull me up, what bits can I come up with? Right, right now they're a married couple, and they alluded to like a priest. So maybe I'll maybe I'll be a priest when I come up, and then it'll be a thing. Like, no, 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 no. I'm, you you're coming up, and you're gonna be this thing because I need you to be this thing. Okay. <laughs> That's that his his fear factor is riding the bus. And yes. and it's and the audience can feel that. This uh, uh, audiences like audiences are more insightful than than I feel like people's fear give them credit for. And sure. And like honestly, I feel like he would have got more laughs if he would have been honest in the moment, which is like I really wish somebody would come up here and save me because I got nothing in the tank. Couldn't you like, imagine? That's, that's so much better. Because <laughs> who does it relate to that moment? I know I do. Like honestly, I I have. Did you ever hit the point of fuck it where you just acknowledge the audience and just go, man, this certainly isn't working? <laughs> like, All the time. Yeah, it's just like sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta eat it. You gotta eat it. And, and honestly, they know I, what's happening. I'm not getting the laugh even from when I'm doing that. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like one of those things. Like sometimes, first of all, I worked in food industry. I know that it made Oof. me someone that can think on their feet and like I can categorize people pretty quickly. Like <laughs> I can also sense or like, you know, again, enough experience has taught me like this is what the audience audience is experiencing. So I need to pull them out by acknowledging the awkward moment that just happened or self-deprecate. So I can usually curry favor and win them back. Right. But it's also a risk to go, this was bad, you guys. <laughs> that was a bad scene. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, one of my buddies, <laughs> the, the funniest thing I've ever, ever fucking experienced, we, we were doing a scene for like a good five or seven minutes, which feels like a goddamn eternity. Yeah, that actually sounds like it. And, and it just, it was not, we got a couple of chuckles, but it was not going well. And he was like, this scene sucks worse than the penis suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I responded with, this scene sucks worse than the, and then the scene became us insulting the scene. And it was the funniest bit of the night because it was just like we were trying so hard and then like we just had enough it was like this scene is fucking trash like i'm <laughs> still wondering it. i'm still wondering why you haven't let me walk over there <laughs> let me go i'm stuck in this horrible moment with you look at her she's on her phone <laughs> <laughs> that's the you'll never forget that I okay. I'll share with you. I may have told this story on this podcast once before, so if I have, you can turn off the show. I was in a group when I was twenty with a couple of dudes who had learned how to do short form improv at a fucking state college and thought that they were great, <laughs> and so they needed new blood. And I came in, and they taught. You know, they wouldn't even let me do certain games because that wasn't funny enough, and. For some fucking reason, they hide, They got a, a job as an improv group for a wedding. I know. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. I know. And I was not very fun. I, I wasn't very good. I was there's certain I, there were some nights where I can like I was learning how, oh, I can do improv. And it wasn't be another it would be another ten years until I went back into improv because this was not a great experience. <laughs> so long story short, uh we're doing the world's worst at this fucking wedding. And everyone's <laughs> standing in a line and the game is world's worst wedding. That's the suggestion. Oh no. Oh no! Hold on. So everyone's standing up, but you know the father is also the bride or whatever. Like all these stupid fucking <laughs> jokes, right? I step forward and I'm like buzzing because I'm excited, and I go, "The world's worst wedding, where you hire an improv troupe to play at your wedding, an amateur improv troupe to play at because because it was true and it was weird and it was awkward. And guess what? It got the best fucking laugh. It was. I was just see that that's. That's what happens when you embrace the fear, though, because like I got let go from that team <laughs> because of that joke. <laughs> wow! Because their ego couldn't handle it. A that I got the oh. best laugh, and B that I disparaged us by calling us amateur, which, by the fucking way, we were. <laughs> you're a you're a improv team that's too good for self depreciating humor. You fucking nerds the people can at least walk away going that was funny that was funny i know it was funny god so anyway, god. anyway i uh let let me ask you this as an all-encompassing uh with, with for what has already been a delightful conversation <laughs> what is it in you that drives you to create what 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 light in you shines the brightest what what what's your drive um, spite. <laughs> Great. All right. Now you can find spite noir. And you can you can find noir in all sorts of places on the internet. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that that is it. But like the less funny version of it is, I did the corporate America thing, and when I tell you that it was killing me, I fully mean it. Like, um, I was working like 55 hours a week I, I was working for clients that were the antithesis of everything that I believe like my entire job depended on making sure that their operation was as cost effective as possible listen I'll tell you I'll tell you some of them I, I NDA's over great um, Bye. I was working like one of my clients was Fox News oh no one of my clients was the go to state warriors. I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. Fuck those guys. <laughs> they uh, try so hard though. <laughs> they they try. And they won, uh, didn't they? Didn't they have a fucking they got a championship under their belt? Yeah, they got a couple of them. Okay. They're a real good team. I hate them. They weren't for a uh, while, to be fair. Oh, that's true. That's true. But now they're almost damn near unstuck. They're the Thanos of the NBA. Oh, Jesus. Uh, and and then uh Boeing. And, and, wow. and I was just like and so, like, my job is to make is to install this procurement software, and to make sure that they're saving every penny, nickel, and dime that they can. Which includes getting rid of, uh, you know, redundant getting rid people. of people. Yep. Like finding suppliers that you know they could screw over and doing all sorts of stuff like that, and it was rotting my soul from the inside out. Um, and so, uh. 
November of 2020, I said I am going to like in like 2020 was when I started to do the TTRPG thing and I was starting to get some traction. Not nearly enough to make the decision that I did, (sighs) but I was just like, if I don't, if I don't leave this job, I it will end me. Right. So I I I quit and I was like, okay. Now we gotta make it work. Um, and for the last two years, I've just been grinding in the TTRPG scene. And I, 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 at one point, I was putting out 75 resumes a day with LinkedIn, Monster, Indeed, all that stuff. I got myself, uh, I got myself two jobs now. <laughs> uh, and and I still do a bunch of freelance work. So I'm I'm comfortable. I'm good now. What sparks my creativity is that dark place. It's it's waking up at six a.m. to take a two-hour drive to a place I hate to serve people that I loathe at the cost of what I believe every day. I can't do it again. So I I. As much as I hate that, I love making things, and hopefully, like, I, I also love inspiring people to, like, you know, there's no such thing as an it. Right. Fucking go. Right. F- find, find your find your Dylan voice. Like, find a way <laughs> That's to- That's the best analogy. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> like, find a way to, find a way to survive doing what you love. Because capitalism sucks and it will suck the soul out of you unless you do something. <laughs> so that's that's why I make stuff. <laughs> I think that's great advice. I know that I was raised with a very similar sentiment. Um, I My dad told me you're either on the side of the fence that uh, watches or the side of the fence that does. Now, I think you can be on both, but yeah. you, I'd rather be on the side that does. And I... I'm not speaking, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass to say that I couldn't be grateful, more grateful that our paths crossed in just the right, like, because you committed to yourself, and I did, I think that that's a sign. It's like, hey, keep on going. Yeah. You met this person. That's cool. Like, <laughs> it's not surprising that we have so much, th- so many things in common because you you need people to remind you, like, oh, you're doing the right thing. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's, that's not I bad. mean, in and when I say like it's very funny to see like we both ha- we we both have kung fu we just went to different schools we're also fighting a lot of the same battles and we're like doing what we have to to survive and like like I am very grateful that I met you because it's just like okay like I'm I'm relating to people that I hope to God I could relate to because you're radiating because that- you're there because you're present <laughs> it's you right? can't argue with that that's the universe at work. Yeah, there are there are people who let their that let life dim their shine, and like no fault to them. You got to do what you got to do to survive. I just couldn't do that anymore, and like that's why I want to ignite people's sparks. But it's very nice when you see somebody and they're fucking glowing, and it's just like that's what's up. That's what I'm going for. Well, I got your back forever. I I know for a fact you have mine, and that is actually the hell coolest yeah. thing. Um, I'm going to make sure everyone knows where the hell you are. I can't wait to sit at your table again. I will hell not yeah. ask you to listen to your music, but I may share mine with you 
and then I'll see if you want to give me yours. See, I I tell you, you've got to be a certain level. Of, like you've got to be in my life to like like uh, my music is out there. If you search for if you search, I'm for gonna it, respect find it. your needs. <laughs> but uh, but I'm gonna say you're easily in that part of my life where I'm just like, oh yeah, here I'll send you this, no problem. <laughs> I, one day we will get the bug again and it won't fucking matter i know it's there for me i have my guitar on my wall it's there for me it's waiting for me it will come i know you just got one you just got a baby too you just got a new Mm -hmm. one i got a brand new baby and i so i have a uh, (laughs) i'm so proud of this uh i turned our dining room because we don't really dine like that into a maker space so we got two 3d printers uh my piano my music studio stuff and the guitars all over the wall so it's just that sounds incredible uh i my biggest regret with guitars is that i don't know where the guitar that sinbad gave me is uh i know (laughs) i know (laughs) i'm dropping this bomb on you right now That's a sentence that came out of nowhere. It's sucker punch. I know. I wanted to see your reaction to that. hundred percent legitimately, I was buds with Simbad. He came into my restaurant every other day, and he knew I want I was pursuing. And his daughter was. He even had us come to her record release. And he goes, he like literally. I think he pulled the guitar out of like a fucking Mary Poppins bag and was like, here you go, Jessica, in the middle of the restaurant. It was the most amazing, sweet thing. And it was a strat. You know, it was a $150 yeah. strat. No, you know, and I w- also am not the kind of person that says, Mr. Simbad, can you sign it, please? But <laughs> it was it was a very cool thing. I think one of my brothers has it, but it's still a little bit regretful that I don't know exactly. So can, can I tell you, I am a huge Sinbad fan. Like, of I course you are. Have- I almost have Sinbad Where You Been completely memorized. And that was like in like 1999. But that's when we memorized shit though too. Because I I have Killing Them Softly and I have Mitch Hedberg. Like I have all that shit. I have Eddie Izzard. Mitch Hedberg. Do you know what I mean? So like that, because we were listening to CDs on repeat, that's when he's in that sweet spot. So you're not you're not too special, Noir. He's fucking he's fucking amazing too, and he's hilarious. And the cleanest guy because he wanted his dad to be able to watch his shows. Who would have Who would have thought Sinbad is what Bill Cosby was pretending to be? Should have been. Actually, that is a huge revelation and and brilliant. He, I mean, and Sinbad, actually, I think he walks out like a great guy. And as as everything yeah. shakes out, that guy, you can't pull out anything on Sinbad and be like, uh-huh. I'm so scared. It's like, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Please, please. No, he's a family man. His kids love him. They yeah. were all grinders. His wife was lovely. I'm not seeing anything straight. Oh, God, this is actually crazy. The guy who fired me from the improv group was a guy who worked for Bill Cosby in his restaurant in the 80s. And this was, again, I was 20. So this was now 14 years ago that he told me this story. No, no, 16 years ago. He said that Bill Cosby would hang out with his wife at the restaurant and then send the kids and the family home and then start hitting on all the ladies that were at his restaurant. And there was two women in particular that sat at one of their booths. He, like, upgraded them to a booth and started, like, sitting by them and started hitting on them. And they weren't fucking having it because they were like, oh okay, Mr. Cosby, whatever. Like, they just weren't, you know, they, they had a little bit more yeah. gumption than someone in the 80s to say, please leave me alone, you you assaulter. So <laughs> my friend was the one waiting. Well, not my friend, but this person I worked with was there 
server and Mr. Cosby comes up to him and says, which one is their plate? Oh, no. Takes out a vial, pours some green thing or like weed or something all over their salad. And my friend goes and delivers the food and says, Mr. Cosby has um, done something to your food. I would suggest leaving. Well, at least he did. I'm glad he did that. Because that story, otherwise, uh, I, you don't tell that story. Well, I, I, I know. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, life has made me so jaded where, like, I, I don't trust. I, I know. I don't trust dudes. Like, I know, Noir. I have to double check myself because I'm like, you tricky man. <laughs> I had girlfriends asking like, this one time I hooked up with a chick. Did I me too her? Like the, the amount of self-reflection is not a bad thing, by the way. But like, yeah, well, and there are good men, but I was not raised by one because he wanted me to know that men weren't good. So I've been on this tip. Okay. And so when I meet good men, I'm like, nah. Not possible. <laughs> now, obviously, therapy and all sorts of things and meeting somebody who selflessly can be who you are, it, th- that disproves the theory. But Bill Cosby, that's power. That's yeah. that's power, narcissism, and um, thinking you're above it. And and he got away with it for how long? So that's not, yeah. that's not the same thing as, like, all dudes, right? Um, I, well, I think to some, and I've been really doing a lot of thinking. Like, I, 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 it, it's, it's kind of kicked in from a very weird place. I watched the Avengers Affinity War. Oh, sure. Again, in that scene where all the women come together, they're like, we're going to help Captain Marvel get over there. Like, when I first watched that scene, I, I was like nerd mad. But I've been watching a lot of She Hulk, and She Hulk has been kind of like putting a magnifying lens on like, really shitty nerd dudes and i'm like why did the scene make me so mad and and so like you know at the time i was just like well there's only one female-led marvel movie so this is just pandering and i'm like this could either be like looking back on it they made that scene when they knew they had in production miss marvel she hulk sure uh echo and so it's it's real cynical and easy to go that's just pandering or if you're looking at it with hindsight, they babe roofed it. They were like, this is where we're going. They're like, I hope you motherfuckers get used to seeing this because this is happening. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that my reason to be upset at that scene is gone. But the fact that it hit so instantly when I saw it in theaters, I'm like, that's something that's broken. In that's me. not and you. Like, it's conditioning because I too yeah. felt that way. It's not a ex- male exclusive feeling. I was okay. conditioned as a woman to, like, you know, a friend of mine was sharing that their woman of color aunt is like, I can't believe Lizzo played the flute. And that's like internalized self hatred that was conditioned upon her. And so I, I think one of my best things in life that someone told me is that you're not your first thought. You're usually your second thought. Right. Because society has told you to feel that way. It's just, it really freaks me out at how easy that switch is for us to, like, for us to see feminine power presented and to go, fuck that. Like, it's just, it's, it's such a, like, it's Bilbo 
during that one scene in Lord of the Rings where it's just like, 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 I really want to figure out why is that in here and how do I uninstall it? I don't like that that's a feature that I have. I understand it. I, I, I do. I, I, one day you and I can get into it from where yeah. I was raised to where I've become now. You can uninstall it. And it's the awareness of it to begin with. And yeah. it, and also, like, we're trying to survive. I didn't know that I had systematic oppression of females upon my shoulders. I just thought that that was what it was and how I needed to navigate through life. And there was a time where we couldn't fight back to those things, you know? So And, yeah. and you didn't – those women couldn't have gone to the cops. Like, like, you know, that Bill Cosby did that too at that time. So – and even now there's still not a lot of recourse for someone allegedly doing something. So it, it's – I think it's a lot of navigating really muddy waters, especially because, like, you look at certain political campaigns, et cetera, they're they're <laughs> – Catering to the lowest common denominator of human base emotions. We are half right. animal. We are half godlike. We and and so like we shit and and we can sing and that's unusual. So we just have to figure out which wins out. Like I, and, and this will be my last thing. No, I I'm, I'm, this just, is incredible. It's just when you talk about like you know we're we're half animal, half divine. What I've been doing a doing a lot of soul searching is that you know there is that feminine divine and then there's that masculine mm -hmm. divine and trying to navigate that at like i i you know you were talking about like how your your dad was raising you to be like you know to, to know that dudes ain't shit like well my dad did the same by just not being shit so it's just like in every now and then like i catch myself being that and I catch it at the moments where I'm trying the hardest not to be that. If that makes it sense, does. It's just it like, does. I'm trying so hard not to be my dad that whoops, I fell into being that guy, like treating, like making my base most impulsive emotion more important than a whole person, like. I, it, I I I find like it bubbling up in me where I just where it almost comes out and affects another person and luckily I've done the work enough where I could just catch it like right here in the throat but it's still like the fact that it's there haunts me because it's just like I haven't killed that yet <laughs> I understand and there's some people that would think there's some people that think you can't kill that and there's other people that think that it's like I'm learning right now to not let brainstem Jessica take over. So that's your brainstem mm. at work. And then your frontal lobe is the one that goes, oh, maybe not that today. <laughs> oh, maybe you're, you know, you you have more cognizance than that. Um, it's it, it's a training process. And, and your empathy always wins out. Even when you screw up, your empathy wins out. That's, I think that's the key. Yeah, I and, and honestly, what's been helping me is TTRPG gives me a place to put that ugly. <laughs> it gets me, it get like I get to make a character that does respond in those ways. So at least I've let the beast out, but it's in a place where it can and will be killed. <laughs> Which actually sounds amazing. 
because you're you're not you're not the DM that's gonna try and kill your team. You're the one who's like, oh, I can't wait for them to. There was a couple times Please. during ours I was like, I shouldn't have been able to do that. That okay, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> right, like oh, yeah, fuck, fuck the rules as they're written. Rule of cool prevails always, and I, that's why I love being at, at multiple people's tables. But I will always say yes to yours. You're so fucking great. Hey, you're an amazing player. Don't don't sell yourself. Oh no, short. I'm not you, selling you, myself short. You, I'm amazing. You you make you make it very easy to be the DM that you describe me to be. Wow. Like it's just like I'm just gonna let you do the cool thing <laughs> and take credit for how awesome this moment is. <laughs> Fair. I think we can both ride on each other's shoulders at any given point. That's, well, that's how it's supposed to work. So I, I love that we got to have. It. I, I agree. Well, soon enough, we'll and do we it again. We'll have it again. I know we will. I know. Well, Noir, the thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Uh, whatever you want me, I, I'm, I, I clearly talk too much. No, you so. don't. That, that's an easy yes. That's an easy soon. I promise. Bye. Bye. That does it for this week, Nichols. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of You Don't Know Nick. There are many different ways you can support our podcast. One of them is going to youdon'tknownick.com and finding out all the different places you can listen to our show. You can also follow us on Good Pods, which is basically Instagram for podcasts. Not only can you follow your favorite shows, you can listen to them right there in the app. If you're interested in finding some You Don't Know Nick merch or Jessica Lynn Verde merch, go to subtlegeek.spreadshirt.com. And if you're not already consider becoming a patreon member you can get exclusive swag and early access releases to episodes if we're able to get them to you in a timely manner go to patreon.com slash you don't know nick and if you haven't already leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts see you next week nichols